Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use the stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. My guest today is Michael Neely, and he's the host of a lot of different podcasts. But he's a podcast, um, host the podcast, Consciously Speaking, The Podquest Show, Buy This, Not That, and Something to Wine About. Uh, and we actually go into a little bit about all of these, especially liked his wine one. That was pretty cool. Um, but today's podcast is all about how you can use your podcast to grow your authority, grow your brand, lead generation, all these sort of cool things. I won't do uh, Michael any due, dil- uh, due diligence, any disservice. <laughs> Great word selection, Jules. I won't do any, Michael, any disservice by um, butchering his gold that he talks about on the show today. So without further ado, go uh, enjoy my podcast interview today with Michael Neely. And I'm sure you'll hear all the different podcasts again that he drops on our episode together. Hey, welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. I'm Jules Dan. I'm jo- I'm- <laughs> I'll start again. <laughs> Welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. I'm Jules Dan, and I'm joined by Michael Neely from Consciously Speaking, the podcast. Is that how I say it? Is that correct? Well, I don't add the podcast part on there, but sure. <laughs> okay. The Consciously Speaking dot, dot, dot in brackets podcast. <laughs> yes. But I'm really glad I'm joined by Michael today because um, I've spoken about to uh, multiple times to my, to my audience, start a podcast um, because it is one of the best ways, in my opinion, to have a business because it's the ultimate relationship tool. Um, It's how you can network with people you can't usually network with. It might not be as sexy as say like a YouTube channel that gets organic growth, but uh, I'm I'm sure there's heaps of other benefits that that you can speak um, with our audience, Michael, that I might might not be aware of. But before we sort of get into that, I just wanted to set the the pre-frame. I'd I'd love to know a little bit about you, uh, your business, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. Um, gosh, where to start? So uh, it was long circuitous journey to get where I am today. And, and frankly, it started out, uh, my first profession was as an actor. And oh, cool. I was a professional actor for 20 years. I remember Screen Actors Guild and, and after, and now SAG after they combined. And the, what happened was my son was born in Los Angeles in 2002, just turned 18 and heading off to college now. So I'm about yeah. to be an empty nester. But when he was born, I decided, man, the life of an actor is so much hills and valleys. And do I want to, you know, live like that, make money one month and then struggle for three months and often filming in weird locations. So I'd be away for a month at a time. So I decided to quit acting. We left LA, my wife and I moved to Santa Cruz. And to be frank with you, Jules, I floundered for a while. Like I didn't know what am I going to do now that I'm not an actor anymore. I knew I wanted to be an actor since I was in the fourth grade, you know, so this is a big life change for me. Yep. And I got into high tech industry. I was in the pharmaceutical industry for a while and I started a high tech company 
that when we hit the end of our financial runway, we ran out of our investment money, we weren't getting any fresh investors in, and I was like, crap, what am I going to do? And fortunately, I had started coaching people on the side. I'm also a mindset master. Mm-hmm and was helping people break through their mental blocks. And I was having a really great session with a client and uh, he was having a lot of aha moments. And I said, you know, maybe we should be recording this. And this was in 2014 and we recorded it. And at the end we played it back and he said, dude, that sounds great. You should start a podcast. And in 2014, I didn't even know what a podcast was. I mean, I knew the name, but I didn't know how it worked. I knew nothing about one, never listened to one in my life. Well, two weeks later, I launched my show and that changed everything for me, Jules. That was when I launched Consciously Speaking originally. Yep. I'm sure I did it mostly wrong. As a matter of fact, I found out a couple months later what a podcast could be when I saw a mentor teaching about it. I shut down my show. I hired a mentor. I relaunched a month later, same name, but then I relaunched it as a seven-day-a-week show and everything took off for me from there. So that's it. Seven day weeks, as in like you publish every single day of the week? Every single day, yeah. Oh, okay. I did that for the first year. I don't anymore, but I did that for almost the first entire year. Interesting. Before I sort of follow up on, <laughs> on all of that, is it, is it, um, was it interviews with lots of different people or just solo shows or just a- it, it was a mix? Actually, I liked the variety of it. So Monday through Friday were interviews. Mm-hmm. Then Saturday was a solo show where I would just talk about a topic. And then the Sunday show was a guided meditation. And so, as I mentioned, I was a mindset master, but I also yep. am a certified Dharma coach and meditation guide. So I would do that one day a week too. So, so you'd pull all your expertise and experience from working with clients onto the podcast Exactly. While, while bringing on experts and learning from them at the same time too. Yeah. Yeah. How many years ago was, I said that was 2014. So that's seven years ago. The, the relaunch was in early 2015, but the original launch was October of 2014. Yeah. Okay. Hey, you know, um, I've always, I've always wanted to be, not always. One thing I want to do when I'm older is to be an actor. <laughs> when you grow um, up. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and I know it's a feast famine sort of thing. So uh-huh. I told myself I'm going to make it with my email copy first and live the, and, you know, make, make enough bank before you could just be like, all right, I want to double in this, but yeah, going, yeah. On, going, Go on, a bit it, of a, going on a bit of a tangent here, but one of the things I know you probably, you, uh, you've picked up, you seem like a pretty charismatic dude is that, um, you know how to talk to people, right. And you know how to uh, connect with them. And that's really important with podcasting. Um, what have, what have you found, like to someone who's, who's thinking, um, Hey, should I, should I start this podcasting? I know it's, is this like a shiny object or um, is this the, my opportunity? Who do you think might be best suited to start a podcast? To actually start one. Um, I, it, it boils down to this for me, Jules, and that is I, I have a firm belief that our graveyards are filled with too many people who died with their stories left untold. Mm. And I think anybody who has a story inside of them, a message that they're yearning to get out to the world, I think you should start a podcast. And I mean, literally some of the ideas I come up with for podcasts are like, hey, maybe just do a podcast just for your grandchildren to listen to someday, to hear your life stories. I mean, that might be all you want to do, but it's such a great and easeful medium to do it in. But I think more people need to get their story out there. So if you've got something burning inside you, a gift to give to the world, start a podcast. Yeah. 
So does that mean even if you don't want to necessarily make money out of it or connect to a business, you're still encouraging to share it because you're leaving that legacy behind? Absolutely. I mean, literally, you know, I've got four podcasts, as you know, we mentioned in our green room chat, uh, four podcasts and a couple more in development. And there are a couple that I'm looking at as just side projects. Like I'm thinking of creating a, a podcast for my son. That's just, and I might even call it that for my son and leave recording. So I'm not going to be here forever. You know, we all have an expiration date and I, you know, it may be nice for him to be able to listen to that after I'm gone and go words of wisdom for my dad or something, who knows, but that would be it. Just something for him to listen to. Yeah, that would be interesting. You know, it's locked content until I'm not like foreseeing a, a bad future, but you know, maybe when it's time to come, you're like, hey, I've left, exactly. left you this surprise, so to speak, man. That would be exactly. Good. That's my thought is like it would be it would not even go live until I'm dead. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know? I'm glad we've got the same thinking there. Yeah. Um, and so why do you so we were speaking about before. Why do you have four podcasts <laughs> and we know one that might be coming out soon and then one more as well in the works hopefully not soon on that one but <laughs> okay so 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 how come you're so gung-ho yeah. about podcasts right now Wait, what was that part the how, how come you're really into it like you're really gung-ho yeah. about podcasts well for a couple of reasons um one of them is well gosh how to break this down so i know we just talked about like hey start a podcast even if it's not about the money for you mm-hmm. but let's talk about if it is about the money sure um there is great business and money to be made in the podcasting space. And if you don't believe that, I would suggest follow in the, um, the teachings of the hockey great. I don't know if you're familiar with Wayne Gretzky or not. I've heard okay. the name before. You've heard the name. Okay. So Wayne Gretzky is one of the hockey icons of our age. And he explained his greatness that he would skate to where the puck is going That's to right. be not to where the puck is. That's right. Yeah. And podcasting is where the puck is going to be. And if you don't believe that, it's like follow the money. Um, Spotify just entered into a contract with Joe Rogan for over $100 million to have his show exclusively in Spotify. Well, get this, it was already on Spotify. They were willing to give him $100 million to have it exclusively there to draw an audience. Yeah. Amazon Music just got into podcasts. Pandora's into podcasts. Every place is into podcasts right now. And here's the better part too, because you, you mentioned about the whole YouTube possibility and thing. And yeah, YouTube, there are a lot of YouTubers out there and they may get the glam and the hype, but there are over 25 million YouTubers. There are over 400 million bloggers. There's only 2 million podcasts. And of those 2 million, only about 27% have put out any new content yep. in the last yep. 90 days. That's the thing, right? It's not people, a noisy market. Yeah, people, yeah. I've heard the stat. It's like a lot of people, I don't know what the stat is, but most people quit after seven episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like high 70s to 80%. Don't make it past seven episodes. And then it's even higher. Some percent don't make it past ep- episode 100. So yep. I'm in that. Yes, I'm in that category. I think we, I think I'm on 158 episodes now. Um, hey, well done. But it's all about finding that groove and that rhythm. Um, but I always found that you know, don't always look at the stats. Don't always look at op- at the opportunity. You know, uh, if if it fits the style that you like, then you're going to enjoy it the most. Yeah. Um. But but I know that's uh, like a nice message to go by. But you know, sometimes we do want to find a good opportunity. What are the things are you seeing with podcasting that gives a business owner a lot of opportunity that they might not, might not have 
thought of before. Right. Well, I would say number one, it's lead generation, mm. you know, because people will find you. I mean, the idea is put out good content and then ultimately an audience will find you. But the other piece is that, you know, and I teach the business elements of podcasting well beyond podcasting. I, I teach, I have an authority academy where I teach all of these business pieces of building your authority. Mm-hmm. And it boils down to there's lead generation, then there's sales, and then there's fulfillment. So if you have something that you're offering in the world as a business, you've got to find leads, people who are interested in it. Yep. Then you got to sell them on it. And then you got to fulfill. Now I'm assuming we all love the fulfillment part. I love what I do. I love teaching, but I've still got to get new leads and have new clients find me. And then I got to sell them. Well, having a podcast, not only does it generate those leads, but it makes the selling so much easier because if people are listening to you, like your audience, your fans, Jules, I'm sure you've built up your no like and trust factor slowly yeah <laughs> yeah and and the more they listen the more that will grow so that then when when they're ready to pull the trigger and jump on a service or product that you have to offer that the selling part is pretty much done for you you know because they already know like and trust you so that's mm. another one of the big benefits of the podcasting piece yeah so so you're a big fan of depositing into the emotional bank account um, with your listeners. So you're building that relationship as you go. Absolutely. Um, this, I know this might not be like an arbitrary answer, but how many months or years of commitment have you, do you find with your students? I might have to go back a, bit, a few questions, but <laughs> you can't just publish uh, you know, 10 episodes and then have an ask. Um, I'm still right. fine enough to say like 150 episodes. Um, not everyone's going to jump on an offer. That's true. Well, yeah. and there's more, even more depth to it than just that, but you're, you're spot on with it. I, and I would say the way I teach it is this, is that for one, depending on the price of the offer, they may never jump on on a podcast. Like you're not going to sell. Uh, uh, my, it's just rule of thumb. Of course, there are always exceptions, but mm-hmm. I would say that it's hard to sell anything more than $200 in direct sales on a podcast. Yep. If you've got an item that's going to cost more than 200 bucks, you're probably going to need to just give somebody something free, get them into your email you know, list email so that then yeah. you have more time to nurture them, to move them towards that bigger purchase. But even then, you're probably going to want to first lead them to a webinar where you have 90 minutes or more. One of the things I like to do is I'll often sell tickets to my live event and yeah. get those are under $200. And then people come to the live event. And then with three days at my live event with me, they have a chance to build the no like okay. trust and then buy my bigger ticket item. Mm, yes. So it's all about the way I, the way you've just described it. It sounds like podcasting is a lot of top of funnel. So we're just getting them intrigued and exactly. then we're letting them take the next step that with certainty that they're not going to feel like like sometimes you might just click on a Facebook ad and you're like, what's this webinar? Or <laughs> right. I see some LinkedIn event. And, but with this case, it's like you're getting them warm, you're getting them ready to come on the show or to maybe your live event or to a, a webinar. And it sounds like they're going to have a lot more, uh, I hate to use, they, they have to use, they'll convert better, but they're a lot more warmed up and susceptible to what you have to offer. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. So with your with your program, um, I was wondering if you could, you know, highlight a few pillars of, of what you teach. And because mm-hmm. you're saying how you what you teach is probably a lot more different than anyone else who, who teaches podcasting stuff or how to leverage your podcast. I'd really be interested to hear yeah. those key pillars of what you teach. Yeah. And and so those four pillars are what I call the four pillars of authority are podcasting, 
virtual summits, speaking mm-hmm. from stage and getting published. And Jules, kind of like the whole way I fell into podcasting, I also kind of fell into my secret formula for that. And, and what happened was about five months, six months into my podcasting career, as, as I mentioned, I relaunched it as a seven day a week show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a part of a couple of podcast groups and people ask questions in these podcast groups. And I was giving these answers and people were like, wow, you know so much. How do you know all this? You're, you're blowing me away. And these are people who had been podcasting for five years longer than me. Mm. And it made me start to realize something. It's like, oh, well, one, first of all, doing a seven day a week show, you learn fast. You, you've got yeah. to, especially when you're doing it all yourself. So I was learning down and dirty fast. I was learning all about the industry. But the other thing was, is my show was taking off. I was having other stuff happening and people were asking me, then how did you do it so quickly? How did you, you know, make it from like point A to Z in record time. And so it was only in looking back in hindsight that I go, Oh, you know what, here's what I did, which totally makes sense. And that's when I, you know, created the authority Academy, which outlines these four pillars because it's a natural segue to do a virtual summit. And for maybe for any of your listeners who don't know what a virtual summit is, it's, it's literally a collection Mm-hmm. of recordings delivered virtually. It used to be telesummits, you know, where you just listen in on a phone. Yep. But now we have video. So it could be video. And it's like a podcast, just organized differently and delivered differently and that people have to opt in with their email to get it. So I did a virtual summit, like almost within the first six, seven months of, of my podcast, my list grew tremendously. I started getting inviting to speak on other people's stages because they loved what I was doing with my podcast and with my summit. So it was building my authority yep. and getting me in front of people. And all of this helped to flow with getting my book published as well, because a lot of times what you can do, and I teach my students, this is like, you could speak your book into existence. You can take your actual right. podcast episodes, yeah. have them transcribed and massage it in. You can even use a ghostwriter if That's, you want to. Exactly turn it into a book. And so all of those things in element just naturally piggybacked on each other. And then the secret sauce became, okay, well in, in your book. So my book right now, for those of you who are watching the video, you can see it's the, uh, it's the international best-selling book, the zero to launch podcast accelerator. Well, if you were to get that book, which you can get on Amazon and Kindle right now for 99 cents, you'll notice that at the end of chapters, it'll say, for more information on this, listen to episode 37 of the PodQuest show. Others, it might go, hey, if you want a resource for this, uh, go to this website and, you know, opt in for it. So it also now builds it back and forth and creates this interwoven atmosphere that exponentially makes things stronger. That's right. So so what you're doing there is, uh, especially with our book, one is that you're giving more value with the podcast so you, and they're hearing your voice, which adds more to that trust factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you're doing something that I see a lot of savvy marketers do is where you're kind of doing like a content upgrade inside of that book in exchange, exactly. for, in exchange for your email address. So exactly. it doesn't make a lot of sense to put out a book and then not have <laughs> an objective at the end of the book. Um, right. But, yeah. Yeah. But I'm curious to hear like, um, how would someone who, who has relatively no audience host, I know we might be going outside the, 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 um, the spectrum of the podcast, but mm-hmm. hosting a summit in my mind might sound like a lot of work. I need to know a lot of people. Um, 
there might be, I don't know, there's a few other things I might be missing, but a lot of work. I don't know a lot of people, like eyeballs and traffic to get there. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend to your students? Yeah. So, uh, and I love that you started the question, Jules, with uh, when you when you start with no audience. So I'll, I'll add this other little backstory here. So uh, I, I shared about how I started my podcast, but the part I didn't share was that before that, I had an idea for a book. It was actually my first book, not the one that um, I've got there. I think I might have a copy of it laying around. And what happened was I had been approached by a publishing house for this book and they said, oh, we're interested in it. Can you fill out Sorry about that. That's good. <laughs> yeah, knock stuff over as I'm trying to grab my book. Uh, but they're like, can you fill out this uh, acquisitions questionnaire, as they call it? And so I'm starting to fill out this questionnaire and I get to this whole section on how many Facebook fans do you have? How many Twitter followers do you have? How big is your mailing list? And uh, uh, it just went off in my mind. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They want me to sell the book. I thought they were going to sell books for me. It's not how it works, okay? Which is why they call you know best-selling authors because you're actually selling, selling books, and and so so my first book is called The Art of Forgetting, and at that point I had no audience. I had no, my mailing list was zero, and so that's uh, that was the precursor before then the whole podcasting thing, and then all this, the wheels started turning. I'm like, this podcast is going to help me to grow my list to ultimately be of more interest to a publisher to sell my book. So that's kind of what set the thing turning. I started with zero. You probably, I don't know if you start, some people start their podcast and they've already got a mailing list. I had, I had nothing. Zero. I had no zero. one. I was a gym instructor, wasn't even a copywriter. I was just interested in storytelling and I started my podcast. There you go. And things have changed a bit since then. Yeah. But, sorry, back to you. Yeah. So, well, then to answer your question, so I started with zero. But I started interviewing people that I knew, okay? And when, by the way, when I switched to a seven-day-a-week show, I'm like, oh, crap. Now I'm going to run out of people that I know. Because when I first launched it, I was like, oh, I'll interview this buddy. And yep, I was releasing yep. shows seven days, 10 days. I knew nothing. When I went to seven-day-a-week show, I really had to start getting more guests. So I was yep. reaching out, trying to find more. And in this process, I was connecting with some pretty cool people, people who had lists and had more knowledge in the industry. And so it was like, hey, this is a great interview we just did. Would you be interested in being in my summit? I'm looking to put together a summit. Mm. And that's how I found all my guests for my summit. And it, yes, a summit is a lot of work to put on. I'm, I'm not going to kid you there. There's some work behind it and some effort. And you need some training on it. But it was it just changed everything for me. And a summit can also generate quick revenue, by the way, for those who may be wondering, because you sell the upgrades, you sell the recordings if people want to keep them for lifetime access. Yes. So I'm curious. So let's just say, okay, it's very selfish here. I've got a (laughs) a big backlog of guests I could easily reach out to. um, And I regularly follow up with them as well. So I haven't just destroyed the relationship, which is (laughs) a big mistake I know a lot of podcasters make. What's Mm -hmm. in it for the, uh, for those people who are coming onto the- Who are going to be there. Yeah. To come yeah, on. that's a great question. So the way a summit works essentially, and, and the value of it for doing it as the person who's hosting it is the host is going to grow his list enormously. And the way you grow your list is that every person who agrees to be a featured guest expert in your summit, their agreement is that they're going to mail to their list a certain number of times to promote the free summit. All right. So you get, let's say I I had 24 people. So let's just use that number. I got 24 people. And by the way, I set a minimum bar that they had to have a list size of 5,000 or more. Did I have a list size that big? Nope. 
didn't matter. Okay. Yep. Cause yep. I'm the one hosting it. I'm the one doing all the labor. So, but the, but the guests had to have a list size of 5,000 or more. So now I've got 24 people with list sizes of 5,000 or greater. So we're talking, that's over a hundred thousand people are going to, a lot of people. Yeah. Get are going to get message. invited. Okay. To the summit. Now, then the people sign up for the summit. Now your question though, how does it benefit these guest experts? Mm. Well, a couple of ways. One is it positions them as an expert. They're now being shared with all the people who come to the summit as, hey, this person is an expert in this field. So they're getting exposure to all of the rest of those people's lists that they did not have exposure to, people mm. who listen to the summit. And they're allowed to offer a free gift during the summit so right. that people will opt in for their list. So right. my sense. list grew the biggest, but each person in the summit, their list also had some growth to it. Right. So the benefit for the person coming on is, okay. Cause I know some people would, would are like, Oh, I'm not really sure. I want to share my list with someone who doesn't really have a list. I know what they're doing, but the benefit is if you orchestrate it well, if you organize it, so a lot of people with, with lists do come on, then when you present, let's say you have a really good presentation, a damn good freebie, you're going to get exposure to 20, potentially 24 other people with good lists who have shown up and a really good way to grow your list in return for just sending a few emails and maybe an hour of your time. Is that, is that sum it up? That, that pretty much does. And there's one little piece you're missing mm-hmm. and it's staring us right in the face. That's our microphones, our podcast. So that was the other thing. I didn't have a big list, but I had a big podcast audience. And so I was sharing about the summit on these podcast episodes. And as a matter of fact, I did a special series during the summit going, here's a daily recap kind of a thing. Yeah, I've, I've since gone back and deleted them, but they were temporary episodes for the summit. So the people were also getting exposure in that way. So that was a little something you can add as an extra bonus if you're a podcast host. Okay. So like time gated content to sum up for the for the summit, get them interested yeah. as well. Hopefully get them opted in off, off mm-hmm. your podcast ether and into your mailing list. That's exactly, that's really important. So we've talked about summits. Um, how much time have we got left? Oh, we still got a bit of time. I'd be interested to hear cause you've got also speaking and there was one more other thing. Uh, getting published. That's right. So yeah. the four pillars were podcasting, virtual summits, speaking and getting published. Yeah. And then interweaving the, those. What would be the next logical step after someone takes organizes um a summit after their with their podcast well this is the cool part that happens after a summit especially if you're relatively new to the business is because in addition to the people coming together and of course you want to bring in as high level of of authorities in the field as you can but in doing so it also elevates your authority and as a great example, somebody that we probably all know worldwide is Oprah. You guys get Oprah down in Australia, don't you? Yeah, we, we, we do. <laughs> Oprah is very popular on the daytime TV like she is okay. in the States. Yeah. So, so Oprah started out, she had a hard time finding a network being willing to pick her up, pick up her show. She got turned down a few times, but then she finally got accepted, started a show. I guarantee you that right out of the gate, she was not going to be able to get top-notch A-list people to come on her show. She had to start a little lower, but she absorbed a little bit of authority from each one and it would elevate her slowly but surely until now she could get an audience with anybody in the world. Okay, so what you're saying is uh, have (laughs) have high ambitions for your your vision, but uh, have your expectations a bit lower that you probably won't have the best guest yet, but knowing that each each other little person you invite with a bit more authority than you, 
elevates you. And then in return, you know, the next time you come around and say someone a bit higher, Hey, I've had this person, you name drop strategically, yeah. had this person, this person, and that's going to get you a slightly better person. I've noticed that as well with my podcast. Uh, it's, it's been that sort of evolution as well. I've had pretty much nobody's come on at the start. I wouldn't say nobody's, but people very little influence. And then slowly, slowly, slowly have had yeah. a lot Jules, more. now that you've had me on your show, you're probably oh, going to be able to get I'm anybody. Blown out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> no, I ain't going to help at all, but you know, whatever. <laughs> well, who, well while I'm talking, who's some cool people that um, you've had your, on your podcast? Uh, I have had Gay and Katie Hendricks on my show. I don't know if you know the authors um, or not. They've got a lot of books out. I've had Tammy Simon on my show, who not only is she a podcaster, but she's the uh, CEO and founder of Sounds True Publishing House. Um, I've had several, you know, best-selling authors on my show. I'm not, I'm not, I, I have friends who are in the podcasting space who go for big names. That's not me. Uh, I feel like I, my goal, and, and mm -hmm. by the way, whenever anybody creates a podcast, I think you need to create a mission statement. And my mission with Consciously Speaking is to wake the planet up one person at a time. And so I like to bring on unique outliers, people who are teaching something that maybe other people don't know about. Yeah. And so I'm not, you know, that other stuff, they can get that anywhere. I want to give them stuff they can't get anywhere. Like the diamond in the rough. So diamond in the rough people that never yes. heard of really. And exactly. Are, are they sort of lesser known business owners? Are they people who are just doing stuff offline and you just will never hear of them? Well, let me share a real world story of one that I think yeah, sure. is actually, and it's, and it brings it all back around to Oprah. So uh, I was looking for guests. Remember, as I said, I'm like seven days a week. Oh yeah, my God, what am I going to do? Hunting. Yeah. Hunting. That's, that's a great word. So I'm hunting Twitter and I would use these search factors of words that might be in someone's bio. And I stumbled upon this one, this woman named Gordana Birnat. She's from, oh, in Europe, I forget if she's not Norway, um, maybe Denmark. Mm -hmm. And I found her and I loved what she was doing on her Twitter account. And she had a lot of Twitter fans. And I thought, let me bring this person on my show. Yep. So I brought her on and guess what? A year after I have her on my show, she gets tapped by Oprah to be one of her super soul 100 teachers. And so I brought her back on a second time after that. So yep. this is the kind of stuff that can happen. Okay. Okay. I like that. So is that something you recommend to um, your students too? You know, don't necessarily reach out to the big podcasters, but look for people that align with your mission. Um, and yes. as, as a benefit, you could see the potential of them growing into something a little bit bigger and that hopefully, you know, as a bonus laid down the track, you could bring them back on. Let's just yeah. say if they've been on Oprah. Absolutely. Yeah. You find that diamond. I like what you said. It's kind of like the diamond in the rough. You just, you look for those unsung heroes that are out there and there's a lot of them and you know, you don't know where they're going to go. And quite honestly, I, that was just a nice surprise to me. Uh, I liked having her on the show. I, I think she was a great guest and what she's doing in the world is awesome. And it was just even more fun to bring her back a second time. Yeah. So I, I want to compare some notes with you. So one mm -hmm. of the ways I like to hunt is that <laughs> I find my ideal listener avatars podcast. What, what do they listen to? And then I go through the archives of the guests and then I'll have three questions to see if they're a good fit for my show. And then hmm. I'll invite them on to the show. I'm curious to hear Interesting. Um, how you find your guests. 
Wow. Okay. So fortunately, uh, I've got a, a problem that is good to have. And that is that because consciously speaking grew so well, and like I said, we're over 200 million, not 200 million, sorry, 2 million downloads. I wish it was 200 million. We're over 2 million downloads now. Yeah. I get about 30 solicitations each week of people wanting to be in my show. So I'm no longer looking for guests. You, As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm shunning guests at the moment. I don't need guests. 30 good all guests? Right. Sorry to interrupt. 30 good guests or you know, maybe 10? No, they're not all great. They're not all great, but en enough to keep me supplied. Exactly. So I'm yep. not, I don't have to hunt anymore is the bottom line for that show. <laughs> yep. Yep. But I will say, I will share one of my hunting secrets that actually, this worked for my summit, by the way. Um, I was looking for my first summit was called, um, it was called the Conscious Life Summit. And I wanted to present two consciousness teachers in 12 different elements of everyday living. And so I was looking for people in conscious parenting, mm -hmm. conscious fitness, conscious business, all these different things. Well, I was having a hard time finding, I'm like, who do I know who teaches conscious parenting? Didn't know anybody. So I went to Amazon and I looked for bestsellers under conscious parenting. All right. yep. And I did a cold outreach to a guy named Dr. Gabriel Cousins. And he agreed to come on my show. I'd never met him before in my life. A lot of my guests had already been on my podcast as being interviewed before, but this person I'd never met brought him on to the summit. He ended up sending me more opt-ins than any other summit participant. So Amazon, great place. Look for the best sellers out there. That's interesting because he probably did back what we, what we suggested at the start of the episode, or not suggested, but we brought up how he probably had a book. That book had a content upgrade with an email opt-in. He's got Amazon doing all the selling for him by pushing <laughs> up the algorithm, which means more people coming to his list. And so, whatever you're yeah. doing, it's working. Whatever, yeah. exactly. Whatever, you, whatever, yeah. he, however, however he built his list, it's uh, really powerful for you. Um, all right. Well, I want to ask you a couple of uh, personal questions as well, Michael. That's all right. Just to, just to wrap up. Um, yeah, except before we do, though, because I realized you'd asked me a question earlier that I never fully had come back, oh, yes, uh, let's come back, back on. And that was in why why so many podcasts and, and what's the value of that? Because this is something that we even chat a little bit in the green room uh, pre-show, mm -hmm. but I wanted to be sure to let people understand this. This is something I teach podcasters. It's It's to break your norm of thinking. When you host a podcast, you need to think of yourself as a media company. And when you make that shift to think of yourself as a media company, mm -hmm. I also recommend take to the next level, do what a media company would do. A media company, and I'm talking about like, well, I don't know who the media companies are down where you live, but here we've got Fox, CBS, NBC, ABC, you know, all, all the of the different, yeah. yes, all the networks. And if you think like a media company, when a, when a season of shows comes out, they release a whole season of shows. They understand that some are going to fail and they're going to get canceled and that show's done and then they'll replace it and some are going to be a hit and they'll keep that show going. Right. And if we look at podcasting that way, you, it, it makes a whole mental mind shift. And so I look at the shows that I have, I've got four running right now and I'm looking to add two more. Mm -hmm. And you never know when one of these may take off and become a big hit. You give them the wings to fly, you support them to get them going. And then some of them you may cancel after a while if right. they don't find their audience. So when you think like a media company makes a very big shift in your business. Well, can I be devil's advocate then and ask, Please. Uh, how do you, because it takes a bit of a lot of networking time and effort to put into growing a podcast from scratch. So then how are you able to focus and, let 
uh, without getting your own bias in the way, let them all grow and see which mm. one wins. Sure. So one is because of your own time and stuff, I would say outsource as much of the work as you can do what you love to do and what you're great at. I'm really good at interviewing people. I'm really good at even just doing solo shows. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, that's the stuff that I really love. And then I have other people to edit it and post it and do all of those other pieces, which can be found really affordably these days too. Mm -hmm. Um, so that would be part one. Part two is before you even launch a show, I teach people this too. It's like reverse engineer it. What I mean by that is start with how do you plan to monetize this show? What is the objective of the show? And I'm going to give you a real world example of one of my shows that is called Something to Whine About. That's W-I-N-E. Yeah. And the objective of this show, Something to Whine About, is very simple in that if you're in the wine industry, you never have to pay for wine tastings when you go to wineries and you get a 30% discount on wine. Well, I happen to be a wine enthusiast. I've been oh. collecting wine for years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And spending, and it would be nothing for me to go to, I live close to Napa and Sonoma here in California. Yeah, I've been there. It's nice. Okay. Yeah, it's great. And it would be nothing for me to go up there and drop a thousand or two thousand dollars on a weekend buying wine. Well, imagine what it'd be like to get 30% or more off of that and not pay for any of those tastings. So with that podcast, I don't care if I've got one listener or 100 listeners, it doesn't matter. It serves its purpose, which gets me the discount on wine. And by the way, because we have this show, they welcome us with open arms. I have a couple of co-hosts with me. We show up there live with our equipment. We book a meeting in advance. Right. We yep. interview the winemaker. Often they'll treat us to lunch. We've gotten discounts a lot of times, 50% off on the wine. It's really an incredible show that serves its purpose, whether or not there's an audience. Yep. So yep. have so, that before you start the show to know if it's succeeding or not. Something to measure it by. Okay. So what you're saying is if you have a hobby or some sort of guilty pleasure that you want to potentially have a reap a few of rewards from and yes. could do some sort of strategic brand partnership. Maybe Absolutely. Put in, maybe put in an hour or two a week. And I'm curious to hear like how come they don't how come they don't say uh, or how many listeners do you get or um, or anything to I back know. up data. I, I I know. They don't even ask. They don't even ask. And, and the truth is they want the exposure. It's free, easy exposure for them. It's not like it's costing them a big deal. And we are in the wine industry. We literally are promoting their shows. If you listen to those episodes, you know, it's, and it's a total fun show to do too. Mm. But here's the other piece on that as well is that, well, as an example, I would love to come to Australia and go taste at some wineries there and have some nice Shiraz. We have some damn good Shiraz, yeah. You do. And I could write off the entire trip because uh, of, of my wine podcast as well, as long as I do some interviews down there and do the show. So that's the other value of it. That's another little thing that even if they didn't give us the discount, I could still write off this stuff because it's part of my business. Yeah, exactly. Have you uh, heard of South Australia? So Adelaide is really well known oh, yeah. for its wine. I know. <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> uh, what's a, what's a, um, there's a really expensive brand that's, it's in, um, Barossa Valley. Oh man. But anyways, 
This is uh, some damn good wine, Charlie. So yeah. Oh, on, hey. I know you're going to like it. If I go down there, if we organize a trip, we've got so many lined up. We want to go back to Italy, uh, do some wine tasting there. Uh, even just here in California, there's so many different wine regions here in the state alone, let alone if we were to do Finger Lakes, New York, if we were to do Willamette, you know, up in Washington. I mean, there's so many places we could go to. And so my co-hosts, we're, we're, we call ourselves the thruple. Uh, they're actually a couple and I'm the, the third wheel. <laughs> we just love, yeah, we just love hanging out together and going on these. We, we organize little weekends. We'll go get an Airbnb somewhere and we go do these interviews and just have a blast. Yeah. Do you guys just, just out of curiosity, do you guys get a bus or is someone the Dezo? Dezo is Australian lingo for designated driver. That I like that. Um, no, we, we usually have a designated driver, uh, but we don't, we don't tend to get that tipsy during the, uh, the actual wine tastings. We save that till we get back at the place later in the right. night. Right. Yeah. Okay. I just thought, you know, going from one, one post next to next year, it just kind of adds it, up. It can add up and then we switch out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, I'm glad I get to know, you know, the, the secret life of Michael, but um, <laughs> I, do, I want to kind of get to, towards the end of the podcast, ask a few questions that, uh, that might really help out the audience. And I'm, I'm curious to hear uh, what, what are you focusing on right now in the next six to 12 months inside your business? Mm. Where do you want to go? And you said inside my business? Yes. I yes. Want to go? Yeah. So I have, I've got two new podcast concepts coming up. Okay. And I'm, I'm happy to share one of them. The other one is, is highly secret. Okay. Uh, I will say that the one, and it's so weird, you guys are going to think I'm an alcoholic, but I want to do a whiskey podcast now because I, I also love, love spirits. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to do one. I'm thinking of, I've been, I'm, I haven't settled on the name yet. Originally it was going to be whiskey tango foxtrot with an emphasis on whiskey. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one is well, this was came from one of my friends who made co-hosts with me, whiskey, tequila, effed up. Okay. Cause we just want to do the WTF kind of a theme of it. Uh, but I don't know yet, but it's basically going to be something along those lines of whiskey, tango, foxtrot, and we're going to do spirit tastings. Now I've got a little bit of a different form. Well, maybe I shouldn't share about the format. Someone's going to steal my idea, but it's going to be fun. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. Okay. My, 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 uh, Scotch or Irish question mark. Cause if you, if you, uh, have you watched Peaky Blinders? The uh, show? I like Peaky Blinders. Yes. They, they always ask Scotch or Irish every yeah. single time. And it's I, like I would you, go with Irish. If they, and it's like, if, if someone says one, the other person's like, Oh, okay. Like some sort of <laughs> like, they know, they face. know about you. Yeah. 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 No, I would go with Irish. I'm not a big Scotch fan. And quite honestly here in living in the States, I'm a huge bourbon fan. Yep. Yep. Uh, but, but this show is going to be fun. We'll have to have you as a guest sometime. It'll, it'll be a blast if you like whiskey. Oh, okay. I probably, I, yeah. I probably won't be able to bring my top shelf stuff because, uh, uh, you know, I'm not like a regular connoisseur, but I'd be happy to chime in. That's, that's all that matters. You know, we just, it's, it's all about the fun piece. That's the same thing we do with our wine stuff. It's about the fun of it. And so as a matter of fact, our shows, we get, Oh my goodness. Uh, let's just say that it's, it's not PG rated. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's starting this new podcast um, all about whiskey and maybe some other little secret projects inside your business. What's something, you know, it might be a bit of a challenge that, you know, you need to focus on in order to achieve those goals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, I guess one of the big ones for me, Jules is, I, I teach my clients to always focus on what is actually moving the needle for your business. 
because we can get caught up in the, oh, I got so much done today by ticking the box off. I did that, I did that, I did that. But if none of those actually did anything to move your business forward, to maybe make you more money, close the deal or whatever that may be, yep. then you're just ticking boxes. You're, you're in busy work instead of in action on something that yeah. can make a difference. And so I think the challenge for me is to be sure to constantly be cognizant and sure that what I'm doing is not just something else to keep me busy, that it's actually going to move me forward towards whatever my goal may be in that respect. Well, what are some activities that you would recommend for my listeners to be conscious about? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, obviously, checking emails and notifications on social media is not worth, oh, worth, not worth counting as crazy. an accomplishment. Um, right. But yeah, I'd be curious to hear what are those uh, cool revenue or re I don't know if it's revenue generating or there might be some other categories. It, it could be revenue generating, but at least in some way to move you forward towards an objective. And so I guess the two things I would say that are important for anybody who's checking this out would be one is we're all, well, we're not all, but most of us are pretty good about creating a to-do list if we're in business. This mm -hmm. is what, here's my to-do list, but you know what? You need to create a to-don't list. Yes. And what I mean by that is don't look at your email before noon. Don't, like you said, check social media and stuff all day long. You have a to-don't list and keep that posted there so that the minute you start, no, wait a minute, I'm not going to do that. I try to make it a habit not to go through my email before noon. And, and here's the reasoning behind that too, by the way, for those who may be curious nerds out there, that we, we have so much. Imagine every morning we start with a full gas tank when we get out of bed. But it's not even fuel. It's like uh, the cream is at the top. Our mind is at its sharpest for the first few hours of the day. And if we use our sharpest mind on tackling email and the trivial stuff, that's right. then later we're worn out by the time our, we're brain tired by the time we need to get onto the stuff that we should work with. So that's also why don't open your email before noon. Mm, exactly. Okay. Yeah. One of the things I always try and do is I write my emails for my clients, preferably in the morning and uh, one o'clock I'll go to the gym because I'll have the physical strength and I won't later in the evening and then coming back in the afternoon, I'll tackle admin stuff. So like back to people on LinkedIn or emailing or hunting for podcast guests that yeah. that's also in the evening. So yeah, that's I'm, an absolute great, great schedule. I, I'm totally with you, man. Do you like, do you like yeah. to go to the gym too? Uh, I actually, you know what? I am, I'll, I'll out myself here. I am a little bit of a workaholic and what you can't see right behind me on this board here, this is not a backdrop. This is actually a big whiteboard with signs of all my podcasts on it. And when I'm done with this process, this is going to slide to the back of the room and what you can't see behind it on the floor are my weights. Oh yeah. And I got a treadmill right over here. <laughs> this is my studio. Yep. Yep. So I work out at home. Yeah. Save time. Keep your brain functioning. Exactly. Because, because yeah. I find if I have to go to the gym, I just end up not going. And so I'm like, if I keep it right here on the floor where I trip over it, it makes me work out. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to hear your perspective. I used to be a PT and gym instructor for five years. And um, um, I, I'm, it was interesting seeing how everyone's psychology behind what, what motivates them to work out. And uh, if it's right in front of you, where you, where you trip over it, then, each to each to their own. Hey, Michael. Well, and you know what yeah. motivated? Oh, sorry. Do we need to rush? Do are we? No, are no, we no. Good on time? no. Okay. No, you're my last I was say, interview today. 
All right. So what, what you had said about being a, a PT, um, I hired one at one point and that was motivation, by the way. So just the fact that, Hey, I'm paying this guy, I got to show up. That's right. But, but the part I didn't mention, which is probably an interesting piece about my uh, background back when I used to be an actor, I used to joust and sword fight for a living. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, joust, I joust on a horse, on a horse, lance, the lance shield sword. Yes. I worked for medieval times dinner and tournament for six years. And then I did another oh, six years awesome. at the New York Renaissance fair. Yeah. So that's, that's a little of my background when I was in better shape and younger back in my younger day. Did you guys actually strike each other with the lances? Yeah. Well, you hit the shield. We weren't hitting, you know, body parts, but you're know, slamming the shield and I've had my share of accidents and stitches and broken bones and oh, so stuff you, from it. It wasn't like a pretend dangerous. stick. It was like a wooden stick. Like they, uh, they it's a real wooden stick. And, and the challenge was uh, for those who are interested in this kind of weird, you know, trivia, but uh, the Lance was, you know, the full length of the Lance was let's say eight feet long. And the final, the three feet up here were made out of balsa wood, which we would score with a razor to hope like when it would hit, it would snap. Splinter, but the yeah. challenge is the rest of the lance was still solid wood. So we're trained to pop in just enough to make the, the tip break and yep. then pull out, pull the, pull the lance away. Right. If you didn't do that, and sometimes you didn't. <laughs> It drove in off. because then when you hit the rest of the hard part against it, oh my God, I've been hit so hard with lances. It's just knocked, knocked me silly. Did you fall off the horse? I, I have gotten knocked off a horse from it before. Oh, yeah, holy once. crap. That could yeah. have broken your neck or something. Oh my God. Well, and it was fortunate. The lance, the guy drove it somehow. It, we were, I guess he didn't judge the speed. It hit my shield. My shield directed the brunt of, of his lance down to my hip. And fortunately, I had a leather, uh, they call it a frog. Again, a little bit of trivia there. That's the yep. sword holder. Mm -hmm. And it's a thick leather sword, sword holder was there on my belt and it hit the frog. Fortunately, it bruised the hell out of me under it. Had it not hit that leather protection, it would have pierced me. And I would have been, yeah, that would have been, that would have been a bad one. <laughs> would have been limping to all the different blind places. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hey, Michael, yeah. so I wanted to ask you, so you've got the floor, if you've got an event and maybe a summit or you've got something to give away or even your podcast to promote, you're more than welcome to talk about it now. Uh, well, gosh, I mean, I, I don't even really know where to begin with this stuff. I'm not a, this is one of my downfalls is I'm not a big marketer of myself, always pushing this and pushing that. But I will say, check out my podcast. I've got the PodQuest show, which is all about podcasting for those who may be interested in listening to that style of show. Buy This, Not That, which is more of a review show for technology, software training programs that entrepreneurs use. Something to whine about, totally fun. Uh, grab a glass of wine and listen to an episode with us. And then I've got consciously speaking, if you're more into a little bit of the woo woo, the spiritual, the, you know, the other side, new agey stuff that might yep. be a show for you. All right, cool. So, well, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely leave your main podcast there and your LinkedIn in the show notes. And then from there, I can, they can uh, pick yeah. their own adventure. Well, so to speak. You know, you know, and it, it just occurred to me, there is, I can give you a link, which I can provide for you to put in the show notes as mm -hmm. well. If anybody's interested, I do have a guide that I call the simple five-step process to launch a rockin' podcast in just 14 days. All right. And it's I'll a quick and easy podcast startup guide. If someone's looking to start a podcast, I know that's probably not the preponderance of your audience, but if, if anybody's interested, I'm happy to give that. Yeah, well, I definitely endorse that because I'll say it again, podcasts are the best way to meet people that you normally can't meet because they just don't want to get on a call with yeah. just anyone. Michael, thanks so much for coming to Storytelling Secrets today. 
It's such a pleasure, Jules. Thanks for having me. I love what you're up to in the world and keep up the great work, man.